Hello, beautiful humans. First of all, thank you for listening to Crone by Design, a Dash of Everything podcast. I am your host, Miranda Meyer McCarty. I hope everyone is having a great start to their week. As you hear the background noises, that is probably the popping of my wrists, Festus moving around on the bed, and I'm doing laundry because, of course, what is a podcast episode with me without laundry noises in the background? Because it seems like the only time I find available to record the podcast is when <laughs> I'm doing laundry. So here we are. So my little dash of everything this week is I want to announce that next week is a scheduled podcast break week. And what that means is I've tried to schedule every 12 weeks on the 13th week to give myself a break from the podcast. As I'm always doing background work on the podcast with scheduling topics, research, script writing, editing, and then recording and editing the sound audio. Well, that was kind of redundant, sound audio, but you get my drift. So... With these built-in breaks, I'm trying to schedule every 12 weeks to help stop myself from having an overload and mentally break down. So hopefully I can stick with the every 12 weeks on the 13th to have a break instead of breaking down often. And I'm also trying to do this to help ward off burnout as well because like this podcast is something I do for myself. I enjoy these topics. I think these topics are important and I just really enjoy them. And especially being in my first year of my podcast, like I I don't really expect it to like bring in money or anything. So I'm just doing it for myself because it's something I've wanted to do ever since 2017. So fuck it, here I am. (laughs) And so, yeah, so that's why you'll see this year I'm trying to be very consistent on the 13th week to take that break. And so next week is my 13th week and I will be taking a break. And it was kind of funny because I was researching this episode. I had a different topic in mind and it kind of like took a twist and I was like, that's not what I was wanting or expecting. So I rescheduled that for a different one. And then I was like, okay, I had a topic I was really passionate about, but then I was like, I don't have enough time or motivation to do the proper research for it. So I threw that one out, and by that, it's rescheduled later this year to do it, but this is the third topic that I chose for this week, and I chose it because two things. I really love this topic. I think it's beautiful and elegant and so mind-boggling, I think is the best way to put it. But I also got a new Oracle card deck that I haven't shared on the podcast yet. And it literally is the title of this episode. And so we're going to be talking about the language of flowers. And it's really not a heavy, heavy episode. It's very light, breezy, history heavy, because of course we're going to be talking about the Victorian ages and how this topic was drawn from other cultures as well. So this is going to be a very quick episode because I actually kind of overextended myself this week and 
I'm cleaning the house, I'm getting ready for my show, because I'm recording this on Saturday and it's being released on Monday. I have a show on Sunday, and so all my house chores I'm doing today, as well as I've been wanting so bad my new booth display and I am almost there. If this one bolt would get out of my way, I and it's going to happen. I I'm either going to ace and getting a new bolt screw thingy and fixing it. I it I am going to have a new display at my show on Sunday. No doubts about it. You'll probably see a picture of it on Wednesday or Thursday this week because it's going to fucking happen. It's been driving me up a wall. So this past week, I every week every day after work, I've been in the garage staining, sawing, screwing, bolting, cussing, getting stain everywhere. And so this is part one of my display, which is the really ironic part because I am so excited, so frustrated, and just can't wait for this new display. So this brings back to overextending myself, but I am excited too because this evening I am going to meet my friend's newborn baby. I am so excited. I... That will be a, probably a podcast episode topic of my thoughts of myself having kids, if I have kids, type of, you know, questionnaire. But I am so excited for her and for her husband and for their little baby boy. And I am just so hormonal because I'm just finishing my period and I'm just like, oh, I get to say hi to this beautiful little boy who I haven't met before and catch up on her as she's now is holding her baby and so I'm very excited and very grateful that they're having dinner with me and my husband Lonnie tonight and so I'm just trying to do things and she knows I'm always a big gift giver so I went ahead and got some more diapers that they prefer and some wet wipes to try to help with the newborn lifestyle. So there's some of my overextension that some of it was planned, some of it was not, and here we are today. So a lot of excitement and so I'm just, yeah, I'm annoying. I understand that. That's why this segment is called My Dash of Everything. And so on Sunday, I guess I should talk about this, is the Fountain Square Psychic Fair. And so I'm super excited. I have big hopes for this show because it's a major, it, the major portion of it is there's going to be a whole bunch of psychics there. And it's in the old... Fountain Square Theater so I'm like vibes are gonna be great like my friend Mandy who's people oh, sorry my friend Mandy who I graduated from yoga teacher training for a 200 hour course with uh she is going to be there with her business and her business you have to check it out I swear to you you have to it's called the Purple Phoenix Jewelry mm. her she's 
oh my gosh, I can do a whole episode on how much I love her and her work and her business and what she does. And just go check her out. She is on Facebook. She is on Instagram. She has a website and it's Mandy at Purple Phoenix Jewelry. So just looking up Purple Phoenix Jewelry will take you to everything of hers and she's wonderful. So yes, I have to talk to about her. And so this show also wraps up all of my in-person events for February. And I have to say, I'm very excited with the start of the year. I had a really good year last year, finally finding my people and weeding out events that no longer serve me in the boutique. And so I am very grateful. And of course, the website is always available 24-7, even if I have shows or not. The website is always live. I do not shut that down. But I also have a crazy goal for myself this year, and it is to slowly get back into writing, as sometimes when I get the chance to journal, I want to share it. Like, you know, you sit down with your journal, you pour your heart in it, and you just let the words just go, and you're just like, fuck, I want to share this with somebody. It's so... Like, you know, in your mind, it's so wonderful, beautiful, life-changing, philosophical, and you just want to share it. Well, I am trying to create a goal for myself that I'm going to see if I can get a monthly blog post going. So it would just be a blog post once a month, and it can be however length I deem it to be. So like, If it's something short and sweet, there you go. If it's something long and sassy, there we go. If it's fuck this, fuck that, fuck you, that's going to go up there. But I'm just trying to task myself into writing again. And because I really wanted to get into journaling again. I used to love journaling. And now I just don't really have the time. And it's really frustrating. So I want to... I was trying to do it like once a month and just journal, but then I feel like I have too much to write about. And so I'm going to try to get myself to journal once a week and then once a month do a podcast, not a podcast, but a website, blog. And on my website, you can find the podcast, you can find my boutique, you can find my show for 2025. And so you can check out a lot at www.cronebydesign.com. I do a lot of little bit of everything. So that's why the podcast is called A Dash of Everything. But it's just something I want to share. So I am putting it out in the world now. So hopefully I get that going. And I'm going to try to see if I can make sure comments are turned on. Because sometimes I run across really good resources for a predicament I'm in or a situation. And I'm like, more people need to know about this. And so I want to be able to share resources. And if someone actually somehow read it and they had additional resources or questions or if it helped them to give feedback. So then I would love to create a community with my podcast and my boutique and just yeah that's I just want to have it all you know so that wraps up my dash of everything this week as 
I next week will be taking a break from the podcast. And of course, I will be doing a lot of background work from Instagram and the website and my email. If you ever need anything, you can email me at podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. I am always open to those. And so, yeah. I hope you are having a great start to your week, and let's dive into this week's episode. This week we are discussing the language of flowers. This subject has always been so interesting to me as I personally love flowers and I love plants, and I really grew up around flowers and plants too where it has been such an important thing in my family that whenever we visited my grandma, she would walk us around the house and her land, and she would point out all of her flowers and how she planted them and why. And like, I would just, I'd kind of be in the background and just watch my grandma and my mom just do this. And they would just talk about flowers and memories attached to those flowers and it was just a beautiful thing to witness this bonding moment between my mom and my grandma and yes they are both still alive but I'm talking about this in a past tense because I know in the recent years uh, my mom had to move with the separation and divorce of my dad and so she doesn't have any like plants or anything so She can't show my grandma anything, but also with my grandma being 87, she's also stopped a lot of her flowers. She still has a ton of flowers, but not as many, so she doesn't show us as much. She'll she'll point from the window and she'll be like, well, if you're interested and you want to go see them, go fucking walk over there and look at them. She always loves sharing flower seeds and garden seeds, and so... Flowers and everything is still a part of our family. And this would go the same way. So whenever my grandma and grandpa came out to visit us at the farm, we would take them outside and mom would show her all the flowers she planted and why and how she planted them. Where right now I am kind of the disappointment in the family as the front flower bed to my house has been bare. But hey, I do have a reason as I am working slowly to create a herb and tea plant garden in the front of my home to help with my creating holistic remedies for my family and also experimenting with things for the shop to help people. And so my whole process with creating a flower bed where it was turned into yard like it was once a flower bed then turned into yard and then having to flip it and try to recreate recreate the garden bed but then I also made it like two times the width it was before and so it's a whole fucking thing so I have a bear garden but this year I will be planting something other than my rose bush so mom Grandma, if you're listening, fuck off. (laughs) You know I will have flowers. And I know they both talk about it too because my grandma will write me a letter and she's like, I can't believe you don't have flowers or plants in the front of your house. And I'm just like, okay, thanks. I love you too. And they always mean it out of love and they like to tease me because... 
I kind of got the green thumb from my grandma where it skipped my mom and kind of just went to me instead. <laughs> so they love to have an opportunity to tease me that I don't have any plants in front of my house. But it is slowly changing, you know, language of flowers. And so the language of flowers itself is so much more than the plants and has such an intricate history as well. So let's dive more into that. So as we begin to dive into the history of the language of flowers, I first want to let you know that I didn't do a super deep dive. I did kind of a surface level history skim of this because the history of the language of flowers is actually pretty short. Very limited group of people used it and it was only for a pretty limited time and especially being American it never really translated into the United States so I'm always I'm kind of like an arm lengths away because it's more the English and the French and the aristocratic Victorian era is where this language of flowers took off and kind of ended with as well because as things changed in the dynamic and powers of aristocrats and how they were able to communicate evolved with time, that is when this language of flowers popped in and then popped out. And so it's not something that really came over into the States. But with that being said, I also want to say that flowers have always been a part of human history, from family emblems, shields, and coats containing various plants and flowers, and then even in the United States. Each 50 states have a state flower. Indiana's is the peony. It was adopted in 1957, and before that, from 1931 to 1957, the zinnia was the first state flower. And then if you take it on a bigger scope, the national floral emblem of the United States is the rose, which was signed into legislation by President Ronald Reagan in 1986. So that's kind of a little background of, that's kind of, pretty much how little the United States have taken on flowers. Like, of course, we love flowers. We love plants. And I'm not saying it never happened in the States, but it wasn't as well documented as the Victorian era in Europe. And so that is where we're going to do a light episode on the language of flowers. And that's exactly what it is. It is a way of communicating via flowers. It is also known as, I'm totally going to garble this word, floriography, I want to say, <laughs> but I might be wrong. It's F-L-O-R-I-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y. Ooh, sorry, I breathed weird. And it is a cryptological tradition. And this could be through a single flower or a whole bouquet of flowers. For the English and French, this way of communication took off during the Victorian era. The aristocrats had their way of holding themselves and not being able to directly communicate or be open about certain thoughts and feelings. The Victorian language of flowers was a code 
mainly used in matters of romance and courtship. And so it's kind of, as I was looking into this, it really reminded me of the Netflix series Bridgerton, which, by the way, this is not a sponsored message, but I just looked at this up for my own binge-watching. Uh, season 3, Part 1, is coming out on May 16th, and Part 2 of the season is coming out on June 13th. So, hey mom, I think I might know what we're doing for your birthday. And so, some of the hidden meanings come directly from the root name, which was sometimes based on mythology. Other meanings came from the flowers directly, meaning the color, the medicinal properties, and even some magical superstition surrounding these flowers helped create this hidden language. Below are some of the obvious connections from the Victorian era, and I'll get into those. I'll get you some really cute examples, I thought. And so they would utilize flowers to pass messages to lovers, friends, and enemies. And it's been documented that harem of women utilize the language of flowers in order to communicate without their guards' knowledge. By 1810, French publishers began putting out flower dictionaries that detailed many different floral codes collected over the years. And of course, like, I also want to take this time to say there's not one single right, wrong language of the flowers. Like, you can be in a different region and having a bouquet and you do this and it means something really lovely and beautiful. But then if you go to a different region in Europe and you have the same bouquet and give it to someone and it could mean something absolutely different. That's with especially once these uh, almanacs and dictionaries were being published, it got a bit confusing. And so that's I, my thoughts is probably that is when the language of the flowers started dying, I would think, because, like, it just got mangled and confusing, and you don't want to upset your potential lover or your courtship, and unless it was your enemy and you are just like, ah, fuck it, let them be confused and mad and miserable or whatever you wanted to say with that bouquet of flowers. But even in the Victorian flower almanacs, they had quoted traditions from Roman, Chinese, and Middle Eastern cultures as a way of attributing an ancient tradition to the language of flowers. Classic literature was also an integral source of inspiration for the language of flowers, according to the English botanist Henry Phillips in his 1831 guide titled Floral Emblems, or a, or a guide to the language of flowers. Philip's book is one of the first published sorry, floriography almanacs, and he dwells greatly into the inspiration and influences behind the Victorian tradition, and also compares the language of flowers to a language of pictures, such as hieroglyphics. It is important to mention that these ancient influences are vague and the supposed meaning of flowers was mainly an assumption, sorry, an assumption 
which could be subject to change throughout the years. One of the biggest inspirations for Victorian language of flowers was a Turkish tradition referred to as Selim or Salam, S-E-L-A-M, a language of flowers and objects. English writer and traveler Lady Mary Wortley Montague, or Montague, sorry, not very good at my French, is, and well, English, <laughs> is attributed with introducing Salam to English aristocratic society after she traveled to Turkey with her diplomatic husband in the early 18th century. In her personal letters, which was later published, Lady Montague described how people would send flowers or emblems to others to convey much, sorry, I'm getting really tongue-tied now, but she would document how people would send flowers or emblems to others to convey emotions or messages. Much like the mention of other ancient and faraway cultures in these flower books, the understanding behind the Turkish tradition was unclear, and it seems it was only an inspiration to the authors, offering a sense of legitimacy to the 19th century language of flowers. And so from there, like, it just keeps going and going and, like, the different almanacs are being published. And it's just a very intriguing language of flowers. Like, you can pick up a book now. There are many of them even published today documenting this history and conveying what they think was the language or what some of these flowers might be. I also want to make note before we start getting into the examples that a big surge of influence, even though it was the language of flower was already very common in the 19th century in England and the United Kingdom, but also it was very spurred on by Queen Victoria. As even before she was on the throne, this language was already established, but due to her love of flowers and plants, it just was spurred on because people got to feel like they were being able to be in this private conversation with the queen just because she loved these flowers. And with her husband, Albert, they were able to exchange gifts of flowers, of jewelry that looked like flowers. And she even incorporated their love of the spring orange blossom into her wedding headdress on the day of their wedding. And so it was just another part of history that people got to be a part of. Like, even if you're not on the same level of Queen Victoria, and let's just say many of us were not, but got to understand that love and that secret, like, glimmer of each other's eyes as they were able to pass these onto each other and know the significant meaning behind it. And I think that's what is what enamors me with the language of flowers is it doesn't matter what the flower is, but as long as it has a meeting between you and that person, and maybe even just a memory, even if it's 
dandelions, like blowing the, or popping off the heads of dandelions, or blowing the seed of dandelions, like even just having a bouquet of those, like you think of a warm spring day where you're running around at recess, and you're just with friends or by yourself and you pick all these little yellow flowers and you know you know the smell you know how they stain it's flowers is just something that everybody can understand and it's just so beautiful and so I wanted to add that little extra bit of history that actually spurred on even further the language of flowers because of this romantic exchanging of flowers and gifts that look like flowers or jewelry that was modeled to look like certain flowers between Queen Elizabeth, sorry, almost said Elizabeth, Queen Victoria and Albert and how it was such a beautiful language between them. But, and it also can carry into a lot of other history as well. And so now we're going to dive into a few examples And so people used cabbage. Cabbage would look like cash, and it would mean wealth, profit, or money. Walnuts symbolize intellect as they look like a brain. Cactus meant endurance. Begonia meant beware, sorry. And then it was so interesting to look at a lot of the same flowers, but different Colors meant different things, such as a red carnation meant my heart aches for you and admiration, where a pink carnation says I'll never forget you. But (laughs) if you receive a yellow carnation, it means you have disappointed me and it is rejection. And so it's so funny how, and like, this is just one version of the language of flowers. A red chrysanthemum means I love you. A white one means truth. A yellow chrysanthemum means slighted love. A daffodil means regarded, unequaled love. You're the only one. The sun is always shining when I am with you. A gardenia means you're lovely, or possibly a secret love. Where a geranium means stupidity and folly. A blue hyacinth means consistency. So I really don't know. (laughs) Like, I know some people would pair these flowers and these meanings into a whole bouquet. So maybe like, a blue hyacinth with consistency and a red chrysanthemum means I consistently love you. But it's also like, what if you got a laundry's done? What if you got a blue hyacinth and a yellow chrysanthemum, meaning you have consistently slighted my love? Or even to just twist the knife a little bit more, a blue hyacinthum, sorry, I am really jumbling my words today, but a blue one for consistency. And let's say, where was I? Oh, a yellow carnation means you are constantly disappointing me. 
or I am constantly rejecting you. And so it's just very interesting how things can be <laughs> explained or communicated through flowers. A purple hyacinth means, I'm sorry, please forgive me, sorrow. A white hyacinth means loveliness or I'll pray for you. A yellow hyacinth means jealousy. A snapdragon means deception. A spider flower means elope with me. And a hydrangea means thank you for understanding, frigidity, and heartlessness. <laughs> and then, of course, a bouquet of withered flowers means rejected love. And I think, like, I think that one is pretty clear. I think any of us, if we got a bouquet of dead flowers that they were fading in color and scent and just had that rot to them, I would think that was a bad sign. So it's just very interesting. And you can look into this. There are many books on this. There are many, I think, I would say YouTube videos. I guess I haven't looked at those. But of just talking about the language of flowers. And so it's very interesting. And if you'd like more, I definitely encourage you to take a little rabbit hole into this. As I think it's hilarious. I think it's fun. And really, I think it's lovely. I think if somebody really took the time to come up with a bouquet and at least was able to translate it for you. Um, I think it's just so beautiful. It's just so different. And it's it takes a lot, I think. And that's what amuses me is like, I know whenever I go and get flowers, I don't think about the significant meaning behind the type of flower, the colors, or the variations. And I know my husband, he'll go to the store and get me a bouquet of flowers. And he does like try to find flowers that I like or ones that he thinks I'll like and that are just beautiful. And I always love flowers, so I'm always excited to have those. But it's like, what if that language was still here today? What does this bouquet mean? <laughs> and so, and just, I don't know, it gets my mind going. And I think if you have some time to just do a little deep dive into this, it is very interesting what you might find in the history of the language of flowers. Okay, now, as some of you might have noticed, I have got into pulling a oracle card at the end of the episode to hopefully wrap into what we discussed, but also to add a little magic to maybe some of our more mundane episodes. And so this week, our oracle cards that we're pulling from is the Language of Flowers Oracle by Sherilyn Darcy. And yes... I bought it solely because it is the language of flowers. And so I had to, I had to. And so those are the cards we're pulling from. They're absolutely beautiful and I enjoy them so much. So let me 
grab our card. And I pulled... Okay, this is going to be a hard one to pronounce. And yes, I might have looked up some YouTube videos that were not too helpful on pronouncing this. And it's Pahutakawa. And it is the card of transformation. Pahutakawa. The meanings, a major change in transformation are indicated in some part of your life or with the situation at hand. Spiritual alignment needs to be sought and inner strength tapped into. The restoration of personal power and an increase in life force is possible. Issues surrounding sexuality and deeper issues of self are indicated as well. It is very important to stay true to your values while undertaking any changes. Challenges. Becoming a martyr, weakness of character, and being easily led by others or negative influences are challenges that can, uh, sorry, that can occur under the influence of Pahutakawa. Self-control is needed, and the fear could be a force to be reckoned with, lack and lo a loss of hope, drive and courage as well as failure to learn from the past mistakes. Be careful of internal negative self-talk and loss of willpower. So that was beautiful. As you know, everything with Oracle cards is different depending on what you're looking at and why you're, you know, seeking information from your Oracle cards. And so Definitely, you can interpret it however you may feel, but I feel it has really tapped into how I next week will be a break week and that I needed that little extra willpower to push through with this episode as I was very unmotivated with work this week and so, yeah, <laughs> But I also think it's beautiful because of how it ties in with the language of flowers. And if somebody had this plant given to them, what would they experience as well? Would they see it as a time to look into mending their own negativity and negative self-image? Would they realize there is more to them than what they were working on or seeking and so that's where the language of flowers ties in and it's so so beautiful so thank you for joining me with this oracle card poll of the week and i can't wait to continue these and of course to continue indulging myself with beautiful oracle cards Thank you to everyone who has listened to this episode, and I hope you have enjoyed it and maybe found some inspiration or something of value or even just a laugh. As I, it, this was supposed to be a short episode on the language of flowers because I didn't do a deep dive of the history, but I always had a good notion of what it meant, and I have a few books, and I have an oracle card deck on them. And I did a little bit of research for this topic, so I was trying to keep it to a smaller episode as next week will be my break week and I might have some mind power to push through. But 
I hope you enjoyed this as the language of flowers is so unique, so beautiful, and I, it's just so fascinating. I would love to be a fly on the wall in the Victorian era when somebody received a bouquet from an enemy or from a lover or from a potential courtship. It's just like, mm, you wonder what that person's thinking and I just don't know. It's just so interesting to think of that deep dive. Please help support the podcast by liking, reviewing, and downloading episodes, and please tell your friends. Word of mouth is such a big way of supporting small businesses, small podcasts. Even if you love a huge podcast, something that's very popular, even just doing these simple free things of supporting them makes a huge difference. So I recommend not only if you love my podcasts, but also if you love other podcasts, to please do that for them as well. You can let me know if you have any recommendations for stories, you would like to share a listener story, you can submit all those at cronebydesign.com and click on the Submit Stories for Podcast tab and fill out the form. You can find me, the podcast, and my shop at cronebydesign.com. If you're interested in more information on how you can become a sponsor of the podcast, please reach out to me at cronebydesignpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone. I will see you next week. No, you won't. You'll see me after next week. And please be safe out there.